Hello and welcome to the Raising Athletes podcast, uh, epically number 50. Uh, we are plowing through this year. So excited to be in our fourth season. Uh, today, we're, I'm going solo. Susie's in Hawaii. So excited for her to be surfing right now, probably. But I am so excited to have these guests on because they wrote the book that we all needed when we went to college, um, but didn't have. And so we're going to talk about what are the what are the key things that your your senior who has a senior going off to college I do or a senior in high school, and what are the the key elements that they need to be aware of as they head off to college and as we let go of them and let them float out the front door? Um, so thank you so much. It's so wonderful to have Jill and Dave Henry on the podcast today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate being here. This is going to be fun. All right. So I'm so excited about this book. I've been reading it, picking it up anytime I get a, a free moment to look at the different chapters. And yep, I did that wrong. And yep, I did this wrong as I, as I went back in the day. Um, but let's start, start with why you wrote the book. What, you know, to give, give our audience a little bit of background about you both and, and why you wrote this book. So we both met coaching. Um, I'm going into this fall will be my 15th year coaching high school cross country. Um, Dave was coaching football when we met and has since had to let that go, but sort of helps by default with any coaching concerns I have. He's my, you know, my other, my other ear. I like being the silent partner. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so this book really came to be about five years ago at the end of a cross country season. Uh, I have a lot of runners who don't do track and so are wrapping up high school sports in the fall at the same time they're applying for colleges. And so, one of my runners came up to me and was basically like, how am I supposed to do all this? Take care of myself, get exercise when I no longer have sport. And for context in cross country, because it is so body driven, it's not a skill sport. It's really like you get out what you put in. And so in the summer, because I have my kids starting in June, we talk about it all. We talk about sleep and we talk about stress management and nutrition and um, training just so that they are taking care of themselves the best they can. But part of that is there's so much that's controlled for them as high school students. Their schedule is dictated by school and they have sports and coaches that tell them what to do and teammates that provide accountability. And so she was pretty intuitive in already realizing that the absence of those things would make the challenge of being responsible for your health much greater. Um, and so, you know, we, we promised that we'd help and you want to jump yeah, in? We, we had a, you know, we, we hold a senior brunch every single year for the seniors towards the end of the season. And this girl essentially said that she was scared. She wasn't sure how she was going to take care of herself. They see all the news about the freshman 15. Right. They see the numbers about suicide in college, about alcohol abuse, and essentially wanted some assistance. And we first thought, let's just find something and we'll give it to you. And so that was our first goal was to find a resource that covers all of these topics. And we frankly couldn't find anything that was engaging for this age. Every single college has a tab on their website where they talk about nutrition. They talk about the potential pitfalls of alcohol. Every, uh, all of the information is presented though, in the same way that you would get a pamphlet from the doctor's office. And it's, they kind of have an obligation to write these things in a very professional way. And so we saw this interesting void, which was the people who need this information the most are not getting it. And that problem 
from a story standpoint, was very interesting to me, but to both of us, of how do we package this information so that it's presented in a way that's engaging and it's giving people the information that they need before they go off to school. And so first and foremost, we thought that if we root this in personal experience, not just ours, but college students across the country, then all of a sudden, this isn't uh, a book about nutrition or sleep or stress. This is advice being passed down from juniors and seniors and sophomores all across the country. What, do, what did I wish I had known when I got here? What was the hardest thing for me to overcome? And so by framing these chapters that are about topics related to health through the lens of personal stories, we create a sense of community of mm -hmm. we're all in this. Oh, and by the way, it's hard. <laughs> and that's okay that it's hard. You know, that's one of the things that we found so beautiful in approaching these topics from a collective standpoint is that there is not there is not a single template that you can hand somebody and say here is here are the keys to being healthy you've got to figure out for yourself what it's going to take in order to make you happy in order to feel well and when you don't feel well spoiler alert you're you're going to feel like garbage sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, it's nice to have a resource to go to so you can figure out how do i get back on track what are some things that i can do personally in order to make myself feel better. Well, and, and you know, one quick add to that. In the world of health and fitness, there is something approachable and gentle about coming at it with, like, the failure lens of, like, oh, everybody struggles with this. There's no perfection in the world of health. Um, because so much of, I think, what we're fed is these perfect physiques, and this is how I eat throughout my day for maximum performance. And we really wanted to, you know, open with the idea that like we struggled, these people struggled. It's cool. It's normal to do that. Um, Cause it felt like it just made a health book feel more like it, it spoke to everybody. And I think a lot of the times in the world of health and fitness, sometimes perfection ends up being the overarching theme, but that's not realistic, per particularly for kids who are just learning really how to take care of themselves independently for the first time. So that was super important to us to make it feel like it was, you know, everybody has a part in this conversation because taking care of yourself is a very human thing, as is the struggle within that. We live in such a headline-driven world yeah. of here's the 30-day fix in order to change your life. And here's the quick, simple pill you can take to make everything perfect. And while none of that stuff, you know, turns out to be truthful, it was really important for us to collect as many stories as possible. And so aside from doing research on our own for three years of how do we collect the best data, we surveyed hundreds of students across the country to gather and collect the best advice possible and to get these kind of raw, vulnerable um, around difficult topics. You know, it's mm -hmm. one thing to have an adult tell you about the pitfalls of drinking too much. And that is completely different that a peer-to-peer -peer driven conversation about, oh man, my freshman year, the first week, I drank too much and it was awful. I had to spend $500 on the ambulance that had to pick me up. And now all of a sudden you're talking about a difficult topic in a way that um, will grab a reader. And it's not just about being engaging, it's about how do you get the information to land? Yeah. So that was the most important thing to us was how do we solve this problem of the people who need this need it packaged in a way where they're going to want to continue reading once they open it up. So parents who are listening, the call, the greatest college health guide, 
that this is something that we should be giving to all of our graduating high school seniors, right, as they head off, because you see this kind of as a, I mean, for college college students, this would be your what to expect when you're expecting, right? When you get the when you get pregnant and somebody hands you the book and you're like, okay, now I know what I need to do in the third week. This right. is like covering every topic. Let maybe let's transition and talk about some of the bigger topics. What were some of the juicier topics that you found the most fascinating and had some really good, honest discussions with the with the uh, students about? Yeah, we tried to sort of dig backwards and think about what are the things that affect how you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, just as a human. Because what we don't prepare our kids for when they transition to college is the responsibility of taking care of themselves on their own. And I think a lot of college orientations focus on the academic piece of that. And we really wanted to think about outside of the classroom, um, in terms of personal wellness, what are the things that you might need to know to, you know, be prepared to just live your day-to-day life feeling mostly good. And right. also, how do you recognize when you're not feeling good and get back on track? So we, we started with nutrition um, because that, to me, was my pitfall when I got to school. I was totally ill-prepared to feed myself like a responsible human <laughs> being. Well, you're and, not used to being up at one in the morning with the taco truck available, right? <laughs> access, right? Access was like, it killed me. Like, it's not like I grew up with a soft serve machine in my kitchen. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have three bowls of ice cream a day. Um, and and for my runners, the freshman 15 ends up being in the news constantly. And they're not any more body conscious than any other teenagers. But that's something that I think they were very comfortable talking about is they were worried about that. So that was the first thing that we delved into was the nutrition and then alcohol. Um, you know, the statistics basically suggest that like 75% of students drink. We bring drugs in there, but drug use definitely happens at lower percentages than alcohol use and abuse. And so we talked a lot about alcohol because even though 25% of kids will choose not to drink, the exposure to it happens at much greater rates and in a much different different environment, right? Even if you are a kid who drank or went to parties in high school, the access to it in college is so different. Um, and the potential consequences are the same in any environment, but I think kids are abusing it or overdoing it or binging in a way in college that doesn't necessarily happen, doesn't look the same as it does in high school. And it was so important to us to have a, a frank conversation about alcohol, not just what does it do to your body? How does it make you feel? But the potential dangers of it, because so frequently for students before they end up going to college, the message that they receive is you are underage, don't drink. And while I support following the law, we are realistic about the fact that most college students will become legal drinking age while they are in college. And so having a conversation that is broader than don't drink, you're not old enough yet, is so important because frankly, the most dangerous time of year in all of college is the first month of your freshman year. Because Ooh. everybody's like, we did it. We're here. I'm ready to go crazy. And the only message that they've received, uh, you know, for many of them thus far, is don't drink, you're not old enough yet. And they find themselves in a dorm room where people are playing drinking games with no concept of if I do too much of this, I could really hurt myself. I could mm -hmm. really hurt somebody else. 
and getting into the uh, specifics about how do you find your own personal limits? How do you recognize potential danger in other people based on their behavior? This is the time where kids need to be getting this information. This is the time where students need to be thinking about how am I going to navigate my relationship to alcohol, whether I decide to drink or not. Yeah, and then just quick, the other topics we talked about were exercise, particularly important for kids who are athletes. Like now you have the responsibility of replacing that, um, both scheduling the time and figuring out what to do. Stress management, mental health concerns, um, sleep, which for us was fascinating because we had never really you kind of learn about it by trial and error like as you do with all these things but I feel like we're so often fed information about nutrition and exercise and and not enough about sleep and so that was a really fascinating thing for us to dig into and then um habits we actually spent a lot of time figuring out we're going to give you all this information but like what do you do with it how do you actually Mm -hmm. make it an actionable part of your life and so we ended the book with habits so that students could take this information and figure out how to actually implement it um, and or re-implement it, right? Because I think the one thing we talk about is the best intentions, uh, although you might head to college with them, like at some point you're going to get off track. And so it's well, it's almost more important to know how to restart than it is to you know how to come in um, because right. everybody has got to get used to the idea that you might come in as I did being like, I'm not going to drink, I'm going to take care of myself. And that falls apart fairly quickly um, because how could it not? The environment is like so ripe for failure. (laughs) Right. That's kind of how we open the book. It's like, it really is comical how difficult we make it for kids to take care of themselves in the college environment. It's just not set up for healthy habits. (laughs) So what I love about it is it doesn't, it's not a book you have to read cover to cover in sequential order. Right. And I think as students approach different headwinds, that's how you can come back and use it as a reference guide. So it could be a good book on the shelf that, you know, again, I I don't think my son realized that somebody actually washed his sheets until like five months (laughs) into his first time away when he said, wow, mom, like, how often am I supposed to do this? And you're like, oh, that's really interesting. He's like, yes. I just thought it happened on its own. I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's good well, that as the learning happens or the lights go on for the different pieces, right? And since whatever, 80, 98% of our, our, even the ones that are athletes are not going to be playing a sport in college. Right. Even though you had, and you talked about that, was I had these great, I think somebody talked about, I had these great habits as I was a, I mean, it was you talking about you being a three sport athlete and then getting to college. And like, now nobody's telling you you have to be at the track at three. Nobody's telling you, you've got to go do a workout. I'll do it tomorrow. Right. Right. So to your point about habits, how do you start that off in the right way so that you don't dig yourself a 15 pound hole? Right. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And to relieve some of the stress and the pressure of I've got to go in with the perfect plan so that I can take care of myself. That's not going to work for anybody. (laughs) You know, if if the one percent can read this and then be like, I am fully armed to take on my health for the rest (laughs) of my life. Good on you. But the 99 percent of us are going to struggle. And so it's not about trying to avoid those struggles. It's about having some sense of what do I do when I'm struggling so I can identify what it is that um, I'm having a problem with. What are some things that I can do about it? Um, And maybe it's just the issue of these sheets smell so bad and I don't know how (laughs) to get to this point. Um, But that that touches on one of the issues that um, or one of the reasons why people struggle with this transition so much when they go to college is that 
the support systems that they've grown up with that have acted like bumper lanes at the bowling alley in order to help push them in the right direction have now all of a sudden been removed when they get to school. And so it's not just about the extra help that they got in terms of planning a menu or washing the sheets. You know, it, it can be as simple as just having somebody who knows you, who cares about you, that's asking, how are you doing? Or right. you, you're not looking so great, you know, and, and well, or has a baseline for like, what is normal behavior for you? Or what's, you know, what is your normal energy like? And that's, that's a tough thing to lose, right? It's your parents check in on you when you're at school. But, you know, I think that all of us have a inclination to want to just be like, it's good. I'm good. Everything's fine. And so your new support system doesn't really have any prior experience with like who you are when you're in your comfort zone. And so there's a whole identity shift that happens that can make that transition really hard. And, uh, you know, when we talk to groups, we ask them, we're talking to high school kids, like, what are you most excited about for the transition to college? And all it's like almost all of them are the freedom. And yeah. some of them are like, I can't wait to party. And they're more specific about the freedom. But all of them are like, I'm excited to make my own choices. I'm excited to manage my own time. And then when you talk to juniors and seniors, recent grads who are reflecting back, what's the hardest part? All of them are like, the freedom. It's so overwhelming. I was so used to having structure and sources of accountability, and that was all on me. And it, it's hard, but, like, of course it is. You haven't had to practice it. And so, you know, we, we send this really damaging message to kids, this, uh, the message of, like, college is going to be the best four years of your life. And we try to, when we talk to kids, slightly reframe it without being completely pessimistic uh, and like a dark cloud, but it's, it's going to be hard. Um, and there will be some great times, but there'll also be some hard times. And when that happens, don't freak out. Like, of course it's hard. You're, you're basically learning this whole new skill set of how to take care of yourself. And you've never had experience really doing it on your own before. And um, it's, you know, you're kind of, to liken it, we're parents of little kids. It's, I have to have conversations with my son all the time of like, you're four. You're, of course, this is like you're making mistakes and it feels super <laughs> uncomfortable um, because you don't know how to do any of this and you're going to learn as you go. And that's, the change is not easy. <laughs> right. And learning is not comfortable. Um, and, and good so on you and par parents of younger kids, right, who aren't necessarily getting ready to launch, but... I think the best thing you can do is give them some opportunities to fail so that they can learn from their mistakes so that as right. they get to these next stages that, oh, I failed at this, but it's not a big deal, right? I think we have a lot of kids who are in this perfectionist mode that I have to do everything perfectly. I have to get a five on the APs. I got a 1600. I've got to get to college and do that perfectly too. No, you yes. don't. And yes. in fact, the biggest lessons and the best way that you're going to grow is going to be through, oh, gee, I drank too much last night. Not I'm a horrible person, but what did I learn from that? How can I, what, what do I need to do to change my behavior? Which you mentioned there's some pitfalls to avoid. I think we've talked about a few of them, but could you talk about what are the five common college behaviors that make college students feel like garbage? <laughs> yeah, and I, maybe I'll frame it through the lens of being an athlete because I think that for kids who have done sports like I did and like a lot of the kids who we surveyed, um, the first is, Dave can talk about the identity thing. I'll mention the first is just like the loss of that structure um, really has a trickle down effect on a lot of other behaviors in college. So even for my high school athletes, once they're out of season, they'll comment on, I lost my structure of my afternoon and now I don't have discipline. 
It's like I would, I had sports, so I knew I had to come home and do my homework. And it sort of puts, um, you know, you have a routine that if you really fall off of it, there's a bad snowball effect. And when they no longer have sports, they're like, well, I've got more time. So maybe I don't have to do my homework right away. And things slide and they don't feel good. They don't feel good physically because they're not working out. And they don't feel good mentally because they're sort of off track with their responsibilities. And so, you know, the loss of sports not only impacts now you no longer necessarily getting required exercise, but maybe you're not as tired anymore or you're just off of a sleep schedule. So then that falls apart. And once you're not on a schedule, maybe you have a more difficult time managing your workload, which is just as much, if not more than it was in high school. You know, when you're not exercising, are you necessarily inclined to eat as well? Probably not. Um, And so the loss of sports definitely, for me, provided a big hole just in my schedule. Because like you said, I was not like, oh, I'll just work out tomorrow. I was like, I have a whole afternoon. I can watch TV and eat snacks and take a nap. And I did that for the entire first semester of my freshman year and was like, why would I need to exercise? Who cares? Like, I don't have games anymore. And uh, and it took a long time of me feeling badly to be like, oh, (laughs) if I just add that back in, maybe some other things would fall into place. So from just a pure time management standpoint, um, you know, managing your time is difficult and having the lack of a sport can certainly exacerbate that for kids who are used to that piece. And for high school athletes, especially whether they play in college or not, there's an enormous shift in your identity when you arrive at college. And let's just use the example of somebody who is going to continue playing sports. You're going from being the best on your team in high school or one of the best and recognized by your entire world that you live in as one of the best to now you are the lowest person on the totem pole. You might not get any playing time your freshman year. You might be asked to redshirt to sit out. Um, And that transition of I'm receiving all of this attention from the world, recognition of who I am as as a person all of a sudden your sport is tied up into how you're defining yourself. And so what are you going to do when all of a sudden you're no longer being recognized by the outside world as the star on the team and now you're just the guy on the bench? And it's even harder, I think, for students who were high-achieving athletes in high school who then all of a sudden stopped playing sports in college from an identity standpoint because you're used to having – something for better or worse, monopolize your time, but more importantly, give you purpose. And in my specific example, I was a a high school football player and a high school, uh, I ran track and I got a chance to both play football and run track in college my freshman year. And then I changed schools and completely stopped playing sports and went from a promising young freshman who's going to, you know, be the starting quarterback on the football team next fall to now you're a commuter student at an enormous university. And so it was less of an issue for me about how does the world recognize me as a football player or not, and more internally about what am I going to do with my time now? What is it that I think is important, that is worthy, that is going to make me want to work hard Mm. outside of the classroom? You know, hopefully we have goals about what it is that we want to achieve in the classroom and and, uh, in jobs beyond school. But how do I want to spend my time in a way that's productive? Because when your schedule is so structured and you just do this, this and this and that, 
it's it creates this enormous vacuum when you take all that away of well who am i now and what do i care about and it's not to say that those are easy questions to answer when you're going through any kind of change process of asking yourself those questions i think is enormously important and it took me a long time to figure out what are the things that i care about beyond the classroom and what are the things that i want to pour myself into you learn some great lessons in sports about how to work hard about how to uh develop some own some grit that that's not for anybody else but for me mm-hmm. and so how do i translate that into something in my life that can pay some dividends um and i think it's it's really important to start having those conversations with yourself if you're a, a senior who's just graduated you're going off to school what do i like to do with my time because you are going to find yourself in college with more time more free time unstructured time than you've ever had before but you're going to have just as much to do <laughs> yeah more and so being grounded in at least one thing i love to go for hikes i like to paint maybe i want to learn how to play the piano or the guitar whatever it is that you can do from a personal standpoint for your own identity even if you change your mind later on you're like the guitar is really hard my fingers hurt maybe i'm not going to go down that road <laughs> um if you start asking yourself these questions early on i think you'll be in a better spot than all of a sudden finding yourself with 4 hours in the afternoon in an existential crisis at 19 of <laughs> who am I what am I yeah. do and the one the one caveat i would give to that which i give with my teenagers too is there's creation and there's consumption and so what are you creating Love versus that. what are you consuming and if you're only consuming video games i mean okay now i've got 8 hours a day that i can and you hear about these poor kids who go away to college who now don't you know can just stick the needle in and and video game all day and forget to go to sure. class and the next thing you know they've they've failed out because nobody is monitoring them so you know my my son like video games a couple of years ago and i said yeah but what what are you creating and so he started creating little youtube videos i'm like uh-huh. that's fine like at least you're you're using your brain as to how do i edit it and how do i what am i going to do how am i going to produce this what am i but that's the shift that's going to help you figure out what's next cuz a lot of teenagers like i don't know i don't know what i'm interested in i don't know what what's exciting to me you know and that's where great this is a research project project. Let's figure out, oh, you don't like guitar? Great, let's try that for 6 months and see how that goes and then we can make a decision, right? Sure. Just, it's hard. It hurts my fingers. I, you know, I have to sit and focus. Yep. <laughs> no. There's pain yeah. that might come with it. You know, I I just don't think there's enough time um or or maybe the question hasn't been posed to them yet in a way where it landed that this is your life. and that's a beautiful thing that you have the independence to make these choices but for yourself what can you do that you enjoy doing and i love what are you creating what are you consuming mm, especially in this kind of social media age where the generations coming up now it's always been a thing and you could spend passively hours scrolling or even actively playing a video game and you haven't moved you haven't uh taken care of any of the things that you need to get take care of uh as a person that that is in school that has maybe some laundry that they need to do <laughs> um and and so you know having the opportunity to start those conversations again i think is enormously important there's also some really interesting 
things that are happening at 18 to 22 at a hormonal level and within that age group. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Yeah, just timing wise, that's a tough time because it's the, it, not just the circumstances of college. That's the average age of onset for generalized anxiety disorder and, you know, depression and, um, disordered eating and uh, tends to be sort of the emergence of alcohol abuse disorder. And so just from a purely like the environment change is challenging with the new management of time. And then your body's going through some crazy things at that age. Um, And then, you know, the lack of preparation really from the school, like organized, formalized education, like Dave was saying, we don't necessarily do enough to provide support, not in a, like a helicopter way. It's just a giving kids an opportunity to really think about like, what makes me happy? What makes me feel proud of myself? I think that's what I love so much about sports is, you know, you get, you get out what you put in, in a lot of cases. And what a great lesson to learn that it feels good to work hard. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you're not winning, if you're just, you're working hard and you're showing up and you're, you're doing something that after you're done with it, you feel proud about that. That's the creation part you're talking about. Um, you know, we don't necessarily give kids enough opportunity, enough opportunity to just kind of soul search because they're so programmed. There's, it's such a grind in high school. And I see it from the coaching standpoint. Uh, they don't really get to, you know, the time or the space to think about how do they nurture themselves physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then we throw them into the college environment being like, oh, you got you to learn how to do that. But it's also really busy here. So like and it's zero, zero to a hundred, right? Like you haven't 100%. had a chance to ever learn those skills. Yeah, I was just meeting with a 15 year old volleyball team last week. They were getting ready to go to their next big tournament. And I said, so tell me about the best tournament you ever had. And they're like, oh, well, it was Reno. And I was like, oh, what happened in Reno? I said, well, the coach took all of our phones. And so we had to, we had to talk to each other. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so tell me more about that. And the one girl raised her hand. She said, well, just so you know, like I wasn't happy about it at all. And we were all kind of mad. And I said, good on you for admitting that, like kudos to you. And, and, you know, and what else did you get out of that? Well, we actually connected with each other and we were talking to each other and we weren't scrolling the whole time. And I think that actually helped when we went onto the court and we played better together. And then yeah. I said, well, this is amazing. Like, okay, let's, what, what do we want the rule to be in Vegas this weekend? And so they kind of grumble, grumble, grumble. And the coach came up to me afterwards. She goes, that was not a fun experience. She said, I made them do it, but they were mad at me the whole weekend. Yeah. And I said, but this is, this is exactly that point, which is, this isn't the coach telling you, you have to do this. This is us deciding as a team, we want to perform our best. Mm-hmm. So depending parents, how, how are you posing it? Like I'm going to be punitive and I'm going to take that away from you. Or what is it you want out of this experience? Well, Correct. I really want to come away from this with the, a bid. Okay. So what is that going to take? Right. So asking the good questions that say, so do you want to have your phone or not? Well, I really want it, but I think it'd be better. Okay. Yeah. Are we all on board? And, yeah. You know, this, this is a bit of an aside from the book, but it brings me to something uh, I have really learned in my 15 years of coaching. In the last few years, we've really started to tip more into the, the human development, the personal development side of it. Because as runners, it, it's just, it's a very mental sport. And so we do a lot. Every week I do check-in cards with the girls and they have to write down, um, you know, how they're feeling physically, if there's anything they want me to know mentally. And sometimes I'll talk to them personally about it, but sometimes it's just a chance for them to sort of purge their feelings mm-hmm. Um, and bringing that in, giving them a chance to reflect, um, not to a therapist, not to anybody else, but for themselves, uh, 
man, it's, it's had tremendous benefit for the kids. And I've seen it just increase team bonding. Um, they're more vulnerable with each other. They're really supportive of one another. Teenagers are incredible if we give them the opportunity to really express themselves. And so, you know, to any coaches listening, I, I wish I'd done that sooner. I wish I'd given them a space to work on their, their mental preparation as much as their physical, uh, because that's, what a beautiful thing we're able to offer as coaches uh, is an opportunity, a few hours every day to give them a chance to learn how to take care of themselves. And that doesn't need to be strictly limited to the physical development, um, but learning how they just, they take as people and what makes them proud and what makes them feel good, giving them an opportunity to think back and be like, Oh, this week I did a really hard workout. You know, one thing I'll say is we do highlights and I've been, I've been doing that part for a long time. Never is a kid's highlight the easy run. Their highlight is always, we did an eight mile run up a mountain and it was so hard and I didn't think I could do it. And I did it. And I am so proud of myself. It's, it's never the easy things that they look back on with, you know, joy and gratitude. It's always the thing they were scared of. And what a great lesson uh, to give teenagers the opportunity to recognize that. And, and like, and that, you know, if that could be built into just the, the development of these kids as teenagers, how better prepared they'd be as adults to tackle the hard stuff and be like, oh, this is super hard, but I know I'll get through it. And when I do, I'm going to be psyched because I had the tenacity to make it to the other side. Yes. And as we know, if we keep them active, 80% of girls particularly, but girls and boys are dropping out of sport by age 13. And we know if we keep them active to 24, when you're talking about habits, the first 30 years, the habits that you build in the first 30 years dictate the habits that you'll have for the next 30 to 50 years, which will dictate whether you can, you know, run or walk or be able-bodied, right? So that's why this book is so important because these are the habits that we want our kids to have long beyond when we are are hopefully not calling and checking to see if the sheets have been washed, right? Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, and that intervention, we really did find that research that like once you're at 30, you're kind of set in your ways. And we make that point in the book. It's hard for teenagers to conceptualize like how important it will be to be able-bodied as they're older, how much more comfortable that will make their existence. Man, we're in our mid-30s and we're like, if we could just keep moving, like being gentle to ourselves and keep, you know, being kind with sleep and, and nutrition and exercise of any form, um, you know, how important, how grateful I am that that was a habit I'd already had in place in my 20s that has just kind of been able to modify as we've had kids and life has gotten busier. But um, just making that point that like getting into some good routines, even if they're sloppy in their initiation, will really make the rest of your life just that much more comfortable. Yes. Amen. This is amazing. I could talk to you forever, but I know you, you've got to go. You've got two kids waiting and, be, and busy and everything. But before we go, maybe can you give us one? We're talking about the transition. And as we're preparing for the transition, what's one task that a parent or the, the student who's getting ready to transition should add and do this summer? Well, there's a really important thing that we suggest to every student that we talk to, and that's take out your phone and make a list of five people. And these are not necessarily your best friends. Ideally, they're adults, but you know your life and you know who has been there for you. Make a list of five people who will not be going to your college that you can call at any time if you're not feeling well. Because at some point in time when you're off at school, this new world that you're a part of is going to suck. And maybe it's a test that didn't go the way you wanted to or you bombed a paper 
maybe the new best friend you made turned out to not be a new best friend. Or maybe you just wake up one day and you feel terrible because you party too hard the night before. It will be in your best interest to have that list already created so you can just pull it out and call somebody who's outside of that world to remind you that there's so much more to your life than just being on this campus for the amount of time that you were on this campus. And so make that list before you go off to college and look at it as an opportunity to not just check in with people who care about you, but uh, be accountable to how do I feel? Mm. How am I doing? We talked a little bit about self-assessments um, with, with Jill's cross-country team, having the opportunity to reflect a little bit. But that's such an important skill to be able to be honest with yourself without judgment. It's not about um, answering the question for my parents or for social media. Oh, I'm doing great, everybody. You know, this right. is fantastic. How do I feel? What is it that led me to this place so that I can course correct if I need to? But know that it's okay if the answers aren't what you were looking for them to be. If mm -hmm. you partied too much this last week, if you've been eating like garbage, that's okay. You got next week. Right. So start those conversations with yourself and make that list for yourself of who to call. Well, and if I could, I, I would add one more thing to that, but in line with the self-assessment and kind of what we were talking about earlier, take a moment to think about what are like two to five things and really the more the better that you can do to reset. When mm. you're like, I am swirling, I feel overwhelmed, I feel pressure. This is like you're maybe at a five to six out of 10 on the stress scale. Is it, do you take a shower? Do you go for a walk? Do you take a nap? Um, do you call a friend? It's, you know, I think it's when we're in those moments where we feel overwhelmed that we forget we have tools that we can use to help ourselves reset. Um, it was a friend that suggested this to me when I, right after I gave birth to our first kid, she was like, put a list on your fridge of things that you can do when you feel like just so bummed that can help you reset. And she was like, put it on your fridge so that Dave can remind you because you'll forget. Mm -hmm. um, you'll forget that you have some answers. And so it's like, think about those things when you're in a good headspace, because most, most everybody has them. It's just how often do we get a chance to sit down and be like, what makes me happy? What can I do to just like feel good? That doesn't take long. That doesn't cost money. Like, yeah, vacation makes me happy, but I can't fit that in in 10 minutes, but I can go get a nice coffee um, and, and disconnect from the world and my phone. And, you know, if you have a relationship with your parents as a kid listening to this, like share it with them. The more people in your life that know that can be like, hey, I, I can sense you're not feeling great. Like, why don't you go for a run? Um, I think giving ourselves a chance to be introspective and then write down some things we know that work so that they're there. They're like our weapons when we need them. It's just the little things you can do to prepare for what will inevitably be, as it should be, a tough transition. Because of course it is. It's a, you know, it's a big change going from high school to college. And I think the sooner we can um, help kids recognize that and not be afraid of it, but embrace it as like, what a cool opportunity that you get to learn about yourself and do a little bit of prep work to make sure that you can weather the storm when it comes. Um, but don't be freaked out about it. Like it's, it's okay that it's hard. That adversity is not a bad thing. It's going to help you grow. We, we had a wonderful conversation with a sophomore at Penn the other day that brought up this great point that there's a lot of resources for people in crisis. When you're at a nine or a 10 on your stress scale, there's numbers to call. There's people to see. And of course, that takes courage to act on finding help when you are in crisis. But when you're in the five to six range, 
that's typically a place where you're encouraged to kind of white knuckle and push through. And don't you know it's going to be hard? Of course, it's going to be, you can do this, blah, blah, blah. That's where this list comes in handy so mm-hmm. that you have the ability to make the decision for yourself. Oh, I'm a little stressed. I just took a deep sigh for the fourth time in the last five <laughs> minutes. Maybe I, oh, go for a walk, get yeah. a coffee, go sit on a bench. Whatever it is that you know works for you, it's on you in those moments to make that decision. But you're not going to know what to do unless you thought about it beforehand. So make those lists. And if your first five things are call mom, call mom, call mom, call mom, call mom, (laughs) then you need to create a new list. Because I think that's unfortunately the other thing that we've seen happen in this generation was we had one phone. I'm older than you, 15 years older than you. One phone on the hallway. We called on Sunday to check in. And what's interesting is when you failed the final on Tuesday, by the time you talked on Sunday, they said, how's your week? It's great. Yeah, <laughs> right. You'd forgotten about how stressed you were and how upset you were. And, and I feel like the good news, bad news about being tethered through text and cell is it's used for every single, I, you know, whatever I lost, my, lost this, or I can't find that. Or, you know, parents like, Look, you know, one kid had texted, it was actually hilarious. Mom, I can't find my AirPods. You know, like, well, I'm in LA and you're in Boston. You know, like, it's interesting <laughs> Figure it out. that that's what they're used to doing, right? Well, mom always solves the problem. So why can't you help me find my AirPods, right? So it's, it's, I love the advice though. I think it's very good. And as I say with my athletes, like, they want to know how do I solve my crisis when I'm in the middle of the crisis? Right. Mm-hmm. Wait, don't wait for the house to be on fire. Yes. We prepare. And what are the tools that you're putting in your tool belt so that when, not if, but when the fire happens or it starts to smolder, you can start putting it out, like you said. So it's not a nine or a 10, but when I'm feeling a three or a four, what, what have I done? You know, my son, download the Calm app. And what are you yeah. doing? To, how, what are you reading? And who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm-hmm. You know, what, are, is it positive or negative? Are they supporting or, help, or hurting you? We've always got, you know, who is the bad roommate? Guaranteed, 80% of you are going to get the bad roommate. So what are you going to do when that happens so that you don't let it get to a 9 or a 10, right? Absolutely. Well, and, and what's cool about that, though, is those little things, us taking responsibility for how we feel and not, you know, making it somebody else's problem, not giving our parents the, the uh, power to solve our issues. That makes you feel good. Like being like, I'm going to make the choice to take the walk or to take the shower or to drink the coffee. Like there is something really lovely about being responsible for your well-being and knowing that it's, it's on you. Nobody else can figure it out but you. Because what works for Dave doesn't work for me. Everybody's got to have their own bag of tricks. Um, and that's, you know, it's a beautiful thing to learn. It's a hard thing, but taking on that responsibility is feels good in and of itself. Amen. So good. I love this. This is so fun. I could talk to you guys forever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, I would love for you to answer the one question that we love to ask all of our guests, which how would you answer or finish this statement? I would like to hear from both of you separately. The best athletes I know do this. I'm going to say focus. And this is one word. It's a little all encompassing, but there is something, you know, you can be born with amazing physical abilities or not. That is something that's out of your control. But the best athletes I've ever come in contact with in my life all have a certain mindset before every practice, not just before the games, that it's go time. 
we're in a place now where we work and I'm here to work. And I think that that is the thing that separates them from, from others. I just heard Kobe Bryant, an interview from years ago where he talked about in the off season, you can train twice a day, train six times a day, and that's up to you. And if you build in the time for, you know, to, to recover, obviously that that's what it's going to take. But he talked about the separation that, that, that he saw at year five, year six, year seven in his career. And now we're not obviously all Kobe Bryant. We will not always have those kind of careers. But it was that personal dedication to when it's time to work, I'm here to work, that I think really set him apart from others. And as Isn't Nike, it? I'll use the Nike caveat, which is if you, are a bo- if you have a body, you are an athlete, right? So when mm-hmm. I say the best athletes I know do this, best entrepreneurs, best business leaders, best whatever, fill in the blank there. But absolutely, it's focus. And if it's, you're now not a student, not an athlete, but you're still a, you're a student and you're trying to figure out what's beyond these four years, six years, whatever it is of education, that's exactly what, I love that answer. That's exactly what that's going to take is checking in with yourself. What is it that I truly love and desire? And what am I willing to not just do the minimum, but what am I willing, what am I so curious about that I mm. want to learn beyond what the class is offering, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think mine is kind of, um, a, you know, tail on yours, um, focus on the, the process, not the product. I think some of my best runners are the ones who um, just are said to work hard. And like, if a race goes badly, they can shake that off and be like, well, today wasn't my day. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing for a really competitive person to do. But just to like, to embrace the love of working hard, and to have that be enough, even if the outcome doesn't look like what you expected it to look like. Um, that shift in mindset seems to really pay great dividends for runners, particularly in those mental sports like swimming, like running, where it is individual and your mindset has a huge impact on your performance, whether you want to believe it or not. And so uh, yeah, focusing on what's in your control rather than on the outcome itself seems to have a big, you know, play a big part. Amazing. I 100% agree that we talk a lot about focus on what I can control and let the rest go. And we yep. get so obsessed with, well, the coach said this, or she doesn't like me or, but when you're swimming or running or doing tennis, like it's not about what anybody else thinks. I have one athlete who, you know, well, my mom's always watching. Well, what does your mom have to do with you playing tennis? Yeah. Nothing. But yeah. we are so trained, uh, you know, we've been training our kids to look at me, look at me, look at me. But let, allow them to have the space to grow. And that, that's how they're going to do it, is if they're being a little introspective so that yeah. they can, A, project what they want and then put a process in place. Progress is perfection, right? Yeah. Not yes. progress you know, over perfection or of this perfectionist society now. It's like, no, that's not the game. Yeah. The game is to be creative and fail as much and as frequently and fall down as fast as you can so you can stand up and figure it out all over again, right? Right. Well, and to find the joy in the work. You know, you can find the joy in the work, man, you are set, you are set for anything you do, sports, you know, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, if you can enjoy the process and just be proud of the, you know, the effort that you put in, like, man, nothing else matters. That intrinsic goal of, I did a good job today. That happiness is so much better than any award, any medal, any uh, record that your team could have at the end of the season, because that's what's going to translate to your life when there's dishes to be done 
and the kids are crying <laughs> and whatever it is, how did you do today? If you can answer that with, I did a good job today. That feeling, nobody can take that away from you. So where can our parents find the greatest college health guide ever? And where can they find you if they want to find um, you? Our book is pretty much anywhere books are sold. Amazon's probably the quickest way to get it. But if you love to support indies like we do, it's at a bunch of indies all over the country, but you can grab it through um, IndieBound or Bookshop. And then social media-wise, um, we're at Two Coach Henry's. That's mostly pictures of our kids and our personal <laughs> adventures, which is also great. But our book content uh, is at Greatest College Health Guide on Instagram. And that's become a forum for current students sharing their experiences, their wellness struggles, their successes, some day in the life content. So killer for parents or students trying to just wrap their head around what does an actual transition look like and what can we expect to be a challenge? But then what have these actual students done to weather that storm? Uh, there's some really great stuff coming from kids all over the country three times a week now. So um, check out Greatest College Health Guide on Instagram for student takeovers every single week. Amazing. I'm going to go check that out right now. Cool. Thank, thank you both for being on. I so enjoyed talking to both of you and I'm excited to follow your journey and, and parents, you know, please reach out. You're also, they're also in, in, in Los Angeles. So if you're looking yep. for speakers for events, these are great opportunities to, to connect them to schools and um, it would be huge learning for everybody, parents and the, the, the students, right? Yay. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. So parents, if you enjoyed this podcast and know other sports parents who are raising athletes, we'd be so honored if you go onto iTunes and rate and share this podcast. Leave us a message. Give us feedback. Uh, let us know, you know where, where else you're looking to learn. We love to receive it, and we're learning every day as we do this. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.